This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Lahari Neil Peretti, founder of LN Accounting Advisor, and this is Then What? With another story of a big then what business moment which transformed into real success made possible by real leadership. Clean fuel for the bold. This is one of the descriptions of eBoost, a non-GMO, gluten and soy-free, natural low-sugar energy drink. Being bold is also a fitting word to describe eBoost co-founder Josh Takeman, who along with his partner set out to change the way people energize, replenish, and feed their well-being. Josh and his partner saw a white space and imagined being able to create something they could actually use themselves. By staying true to mission, even when it was more rewarding to abandon it, and by being willing to take risks, it was that boldness that helped navigate them through each then what moment. Coming up, you'll hear how a visit to a candy shop inspired Josh to become an entrepreneur at a young age, how eBoost overcame a disastrous show by the rapper 50 Cent that seemed like the end of the world, why great relationships are like currency, and why making sure you deliver something of value is so important. Plus, how selling a BlackBerry on Craigslist led to a key hire, and why Oprah, Bruce Willis, and Bill Murray each played pivotal roles in building confidence in eBoost. Josh, I wanted to ask you, as soon as you started college, you started your own marketing company. Can you tell me about the moment you said to yourself, I'm going to become an entrepreneur? When did that switch click in your head? Oh, I think that happened when I was a kid. I was always, um, I just enjoyed the idea of commerce. I enjoyed the idea of uh, creating a marketplace for something. So when I was in seventh grade, I went to a school in Danville, California, a small little town outside of San Francisco. And for some reason, the school I went to was kind of in the middle of town. And you had to earn a pass to go off campus at lunchtime. And I forget what the requirements were, but I got the pass in seventh grade because that was very heralded thing. <laughs> if you could go off campus and go to Burger King for lunch, or go to Father's Nature Shed. So there's a place called Father's Nature Shed and they had a candy shop. And so I would go in there and buy jawbreakers. I'd buy them for 25 cents and then I'd bring them back to campus for all the unfortunate people that weren't able, were not able to leave. And then I'd sell them for a dollar. Oh, wow. And, and it was just an empowering feeling to know that you had something that people wanted. And so, and it really wasn't about the money because I was not a kid that just um, really focused on the capital aspect of it. It was just really the transaction of it and, and the, the rush around the transaction. Wow. So you had your marketing company for about um, a few years and then you had another, you opened another marketing agency, right? For um, about a few years as well. What made you sh shift from, you know, being in marketing your whole life pretty much to opening an a product-based company. It kind of was an evolution, right? So I don't know if you know my whole background and what I did, but when I worked for Puffy at Bad Boy, I basically created a marketing agency within there where I was you know, connecting brands to entertainers or just using the power of corporate brands to help market and promote artists. And it was really marketing. It was really matchmaking and creating you know, unique partnerships. Um, 
And I did that for almost six years and ended up doing everything for Puffy in terms of all of his marketing deals and new business ventures. And he ran into a slew of legal problems, which unfortunately um, derouted a lot of you know game-changing, life-altering deals for me. Um, and so I started my own marketing agency where I was doing the same thing, but for kind of corporate America or brands or products that were launching. And I was kind of sitting at the intersections of brands and entertainment and artists, music and lifestyle and kind of connecting all those dots. And through that process, um, I had a brand in the supplement industry come to me and they wanted to launch a line of products targeted to the urban consumer. And it was at that moment I said, that's not a good idea just because you don't understand the culture, you don't understand the products, you don't understand the tone, you don't understand how to you know, authentically communicate with this audience. I said, we should re reverse it and we should go partner with someone that's very relevant in that, in that market and that has the ability to kind of be a market maker. And so I didn't really come out with the intention of creating my own brand or product. It just kind of um, happened in the sense that I was putting a deal together for 50 Cent called G-Unit Vitamins. And in typical hip hop fashion, he unfortunately did not make the last meeting. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the life-changing deal for myself, and I think it, it would have been a massive deal for him, uh, fell apart. So it was at that time, I just with sitting with a friend at lunch, he's just like, well, why do you need them? Why, why just can't you do it on your own? Or why don't we do it together? Yeah. So, you know, I, I drink e-boost almost every day. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, okay. and it was during quarantine time that I realized that I needed a healthier alternative to coffee and other energy drinks. Yeah. And I promise mm -hmm. you, I searched, I went on Amazon, I Googled it. It's crazy how it's really hard to actually find naturally good energy drinks or supplements. Yeah. I've ordered a bunch. I've tasted a bunch. The ones that were natural or good tasted really bad. Um, yeah, E-Boost yeah. was the only one that I will say that I genuinely love the taste and I, I, it's my replacement to coffee. So how did you guys, you know, cause when you think of energy drinks, nobody or supplements or anything, um, to, you know, to get energy, nobody th thinks of that as a natural or clean or healthy alternative, right? Um, everyone's going into something that's, that makes them crash or they have side effects to it. So how did you guys come or how did you and your partner come up with the idea to bring something clean and natural that still tastes good together? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I think there was a void in the marketplace and really the idea, um, originated because, we looked at the audit, we looked at the market and we were just like, you know, and I'm going back. I mean, eBoost has been around for 10 years as a powdered product. And at that time in the energy category, there was Red Bull and there was Monster and there was Rockstar. And those were the three big players in the energy drink category dominating it, right? They were the 800 pound gorillas. But in the powdered space, there was pre-workouts that were all cracked out with artificial ingredients and, you know, um, not really good for you, but would give you a crazy stim. And then on the kind of healthier, better for you supplements, there was emergency, which was really kind of like a vitamin C boosted um, preventative product. Immunity had just gotten really big. Again, vitamin C and zinc and potassium. So just a few key ingredients that really did help support your immune system. And in Europe, there was a product called Baraka, which was a powdered tablet that people would take really for hangover relief. And again, loaded with zinc and vitamin C. So we were just like, why is there not an all-in-one? Why is there not one product that gives me the benefit of healthy energy? So a natural source of energy, 
plus all these other vitamins and minerals that will give you recovery, that will give you immunity support. So the idea was like, let's just create that super product, basically super powder, something that we personally would take every single day. We're on the go. We're active lifestyle. You know, we're, we're out late at night. We're up early. You know, exercise was a big part of our daily ritual and regime. So we said, imagine if we can create a product that we would take every single day in the sense is that there's a lot of other people out there like us that care about the ingredients that's in the nutrient panel, that, that they want it to taste good. They want it, they want to feel the benefits of the efficacy. And so that was kind of our mission to go out and create that product. Wow, that's amazing. So, you know, when you guys, when you went to that deal that 50 Cent didn't show up to, um, what happened? Then what happened from there? Uh, for me, it's just like my heart fell out of my skin. I'm just like, God damn it. Once again, I get it to the one yard line and all I had to do was show up and we would have been on our way for what could have been a really exciting time. I mean, this is 10 years ago. There was no, in the supplement industry, no one had disrupted it. No one had done anything, um, leveraging the power of entertainment or entertainers back then. It was just all bodybuilders. They were the ones that were, you know, driving the category. So at the time 50 was just about to be a household name, you know, in the inner circles of the hip hop community, he was incredibly credible and relevant and had this whole crew G in it. Uh, he had just done a deal with Reebok and quickly made that a massive business. So the timing was absolutely perfect to do something disruptive. Uh, he was the, absolutely the right guy to do it with. So it was frustrating to know that you basically had a silver bullet in your hand and all you had to do was make great products and you could have disrupted, you know, a 10, $15 billion category. As a, in, in the opposite direction, we had to build something from scratch. You know, we didn't have the um, disruptive ability that a, a, a superstar had to manipulate media and had a huge following and audience. So we kind of had to do it from uh, on our own. So we really treated it like a non-traditional lifestyle product as opposed to a traditional supplement. So you know, you're also well-connected, right? From your marketing agency, you were well-connected within um, the music industry, um, especially. Did that help you take your company um, further quicker? Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, relationships are currency. So you still got to have a good product to be able to access and tap into those relationships so you can deliver something of value. But yeah, relationships are key. And, you know, thankfully for, you know, I was able to build some good friendships and accessible relationships that were able to be leveraged. That's great. So, you know, after you guys started, because like you said, eBoost has been around for a while, about more than 10 years, right? Yes. When you first started it in 2007 and to obviously where it is now, it has been a huge change. What was your moment when you felt like this was actually becoming something big and that consumers loved this product? It never really became big, to be totally honest with you. It still isn't big in the scheme of big. Yeah. Uh, it's all it's relative. It's always been like a really, yeah, it's all <laughs> relative. So it's always been a cult-like niche. But I knew, you know, that every time I gave it to someone and they said how great it made them feel, you know, that was personally rewarding to me. So, you know, there was enough proof points of people around me that I would give it to or that would take it um, that made me feel good. I think when Oprah put it on her O favorites list and she personally was taking the product and, you know, single-handedly said, I want this on my old favorites list, that was a very rewarding moment and kind of validated what we were doing. Um, so it, it was exciting just because the, we would get such great positive feedback. We were getting great press and media. We were discovering different people that were taking the product. I mean, I'll tell you a funny story is 
Bruce Willis was uh, shooting a, a movie with Bill Murray in, um, I think they were in Morocco. And he goes to the set and he's sitting there talking to Bill Murray. And all of a sudden, Bill Murray comes, his assistant comes over and literally takes a pack of Ebus, puts it in glass, stirs it up and gives it to him. <laughs> and he looks at him and he goes, you drink Ebus? He goes, oh, yeah, I love this. He dr- I drink it every single day. Oh. And, and, uh, and, and so Bruce told me that story only because my wife and his wife are you know, best friends from, from many, many years ago. But it's just interesting when you hear stories like that about people that you had no idea that took the product. I would never have guessed that Bill Murray would have been a user of eBoost and hear that as part of his daily ritual. That's amazing. It's exciting. And it's those kind of stories that get me excited and want to make me keep going. That's amazing. And you guys also had or, you know, your company had a rebrand um, back in 2017, I believe, correct? Correct. Take me back to the moment where you made the decision to rebrand your company and, and what happened. Well, the, the truth was we were originally just a powdered product, kind of a healthy energy boost. And then we moved into pre-workout, into greens, and so we extended into other categories. Um, and the brands weren't aligned. Like, we had to reposition the whole company. We It was just disjointed. And so we had to take a step backwards and said, listen, if we are going to be kind of our whole platform is clean fuel for a better you, so there's multiple products that can you know live under the eBoost halo, I said, we need to rethink the brand and our products and our platform. And so that's when we took a step back and then we engaged a branding agency to help us with that. And that's how we got to where we are. Was that challenging, that time frame of completely? It, well, it's always it's challenging because, you know, it's subjective, right? Like you're so close to the brand and you have your opinion and then you bring an outside party and they have a different opinion. And then you're looking at, you know. 20 different schematic looks of the brand and the architecture and they all look good, but you've really got to zero in and make one decision. And that's really hard. And, it, and it's hard to get everyone aligned on the same thing. So, uh, cause you, you have great options and they're really great at what they do. And so you can have gone in three or four different directions Yeah. and, 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 and three of them could have been right. So you just have to emotionally feel like, and, and instinctually like that's the right feel for my brand. Yeah. Take us back to that moment that you felt was really challenging and you didn't know if you would get past this or the company would get past this. I I think every day in business is challenging. I mean, when you're talking about inventory, you're talking about shipping product to consumers, you're talking about dealing with retailers, you're talking about dealing with um, distributors, you know, that are, you know, got 10, 15,000 products in their, in their warehouses and in their um, catalogs there's a lot of moving pieces, um, in any business and there's financially, there's always challenges, you know, you always have more inventory than customers. You always are, you know, changing formulas, which requires you to change packaging, which requires you to look and see what kind of inventory of packaging you have on hand. And are you really ready to just throw away $20,000 worth of packaging? So there's nothing easy about, I don't care what anyone says about, 99.9% 99.9% of any businesses, there's always going to be challenges and hiccups and problems that you got to overcome. Um, you just got to keep chugging forward and, and, and try and use critical thinking to make your decisions in terms of like, all right, if, if I do X, what, what are the unintended uh, consequences uh, that come out of that, either financially or there might be a period of time that you're going to be out of stock? Can you afford to be out of stock for three or four weeks on that product? So, Every decision has multiple 
uh, consequences. And so you just got to try and think through those as you go through your decision process. Is there a support or would like, what do you think has helped you or supported you besides just your thought process and your mindset? What else has, or has anyone else been there to help support you during those decisions or their, those challenges? Yeah. I mean, we have a super small team, so everyone is really critically involved. And so there's always been, you know, one, one or two people at the company that kind of help flush through those ideas. And so we kind of use each other as a sounding board and kind of work through the things, you know, I, when I find that bad decisions are made are usually when I emotionally just say, we need to do this and, and we don't go through the process and you kind of hastily make some decisions. And, and that's usually when it's not a good outcome. Yeah. And team's also a really hard thing to make sure you find the right team members, right? Because um, this is your That's baby. Right. And one bad person could kind of screw it up for you. And, you know, you're wearing multiple hats as a CEO and as a startup, right? So how was that process for you? Like, how did you find your first key player? And um, take us through that moment. Well, it's funny. So the first, I would say the first real key player was a kid that started as an intern. And he actually reverse engineered how he ended up at the company. I was gifted a BlackBerry. And so I had moved over to iPhone. And so I sold it on Craigslist. And for some reason, this kid was in the, in, in the market to buy a BlackBerry. And he saw mine and he was doing research on the people that were selling them. So he looked into my background and he's uh, from France, went to business school in the United States and just moved to New York. And somehow he did some background check on me go, this guy's interesting. So he's like, if I'm going to buy a BlackBerry, I might as well buy, buy it from a guy that could maybe add value to my life. And so he showed up in front of the Mercer Hotel and I was, you know, selling it to him or whatever. And he goes, well, what do you do? And I started telling him about Eboos, really sweet kid. And I go, what do you do? He goes, oh, I just moved here and I want to, um, you know, be in the events and marketing business. And I said, ooh, I said, well, good luck. I said, well, let me just give you one piece of advice. I said, find the company that you want to work for and go intern because that will be your fastest way in the door. And if you're good, you'll be able to move up from there. But if you're just going to be sending your resume around and waiting and waiting, it's going to be a long haul. Just find that company, commit the time and resources to dig in. Um, and, and that'll be a faster pathway to you get a, a full-time job there. Or at least in parallel, you could be looking and sending out, but you have to be in the inside doors of a company, building relationships internally and being part of their system. And that's the fastest way to get a real job. Well, yeah, that's amazing it, that he's <laughs> from yeah. an intern to where and, he is. So, well, five minutes later, he called me. He goes, "Can I intern for you?" And I started laughing. <laughs> I said, "Well, you don't even know anything about our company. Like, why are you going to commit to our company?" He's like, "No, I looked at it. It looks really interesting, and I would love to intern you." So then, at the time, we had a girl named Courtney, and I said, "We'll talk to Courtney. I'm sure she wouldn't have a problem." But, and he literally came and interned, and he worked his butt off every single day, and quietly. Courtney, unfortunately, left, which I thought was the end of the world because she was amazing. And she took a job that I would have taken, traveling the world, being an on-air correspondent for a travel channel. And she still lives the life that I want to live, <laughs> traveling all over the world's greatest resorts. But And then Thomas literally just slid in her desk and took her position and has been amazing. So uh, he started as an intern. He worked his way up. He, he just basically evolved into Courtney's position, and he made himself um, irreplaceable. Wow. Amazing. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on social media at Ellen Accounting and visit us or contact me directly at ellenaccountingcpa.com. 
and subscribe to Then What Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the best podcasts. Are you looking for financial advice or an outsourced CFO, or maybe just help with your books or financials? Well, let's talk. As a listener of the podcast, I want to offer you a free consultation call with me. Go on our website at lnaccountingcpa.com and book a call with me today. Again, that's lnaccountingcpa.com. When you reach out, please make sure to mention this podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. So your wife was also on Real Housewives of New York City, right? And how, yes, she was. How did that experience and um, her being on it affect you and your business? Um, you know, she didn't intend to be on it. It just kind of naturally happened. It was like one of those random things that just like fell on her lap. Yeah. And she's like, do I really want to do this? And we, she just had her second child. And so she was kind of like out of the social mix. She was really busy being a mother. And I'm like, why not? I said, listen, how often in life do you get an opportunity to do something? this crazy and selfishly for me, I'm like, Oh, it'll be a great platform for marketing e-boost. And you know, that's all I thought about. Mm -hmm. I said, it'll be great exposure. And, and so it just kind of organically happened. And I think it was, you know, an amazing experience for her. Um, obviously it's not the easiest thing to put yourself in that situation. And the, um, the, the narrative and the storytelling that they want to do is not always aligned with what's really happening in the real world or even behind the scenes. So listen, it's, it's, it's a show that's based on creating conflict and tension. It's not about the drama showing a bunch. (laughs) It's unfortunately, it's all about the drama and that's not necessarily always how it is. Um, so I think it was a great experience for her. I think she had fun. I think she had some great times. She had some horrible times and, um, but you look back and you're like, how often do you get to do something like that? So how did that change eBoost? Like then what happened with the company? You know, the truth is it didn't really give it any monumental lift. My expectations, it would have a, a much bigger impact. I mean, I think it did help the awareness to some degree, but nothing game changing. It didn't, you know, over it, it was not a silver bullet in any way, shape or form. Yeah. When do you, so it, when do you think that monumental lift happened for eBoost? It still hasn't. I'm not going to lie. We still, we've not crossed the finish line, nor are we anywhere near the finish line. I mean, we're making good trajectory movement and growing in the right direction, but there's, there's not been one game changing, changing moment where we were able to sit back and say like, we've made it home. Yeah. So it's a a constant struggle and effort and uh, persistent push to get to the next level. Yeah. But you know, I I would say like each stage is like a new level, right? When you're starting, you know, you do e-commerce first and then people, you know, you go into retail and that's another stage and, you know, there's different stages, I guess, to businesses that, are evolving like eBoost. Um, so when did you guys, or when did the company start going into retail? Was that, were you always in retail from the beginning? I gotta be honest. We've never, to to be truth, we've never really been in retail. I mean, sparringly, right? Like some whole foods and sprouts. And I mean, in my idea of retail is when you've penetrated mass, right? When you're in Walmart, when you're in Target, when you're in Walgreens, when you're right in, when you're in food, drug and mass, you know, 7-Eleven, then you're really in retail. When you're in over 50,000 doors, that's when you're in retail. Mm-hmm. When you're in 2,000 doors, you're literally just, uh, you're throwing a lawn chair off the Titanic. 
So retail is in a very expensive business. So you better have a lot of money to support sharper marketing. You getting on the shelf is not the hard part. Getting off, off the shelf is the hard part. <laughs> they charge you back People for everything. <laughs> everything. And yeah. they charge you for putting it on and they charge you for taking it off. So you just better hope that it's coming off because it's going through the register. And if it's not, then you've got bigger liabilities. So Retail is a really challenging environment and people get super excited about distribution and showing up in all these doors, but that's where the work really begins. Yeah, I completely and, agree with you. And that's the beauty of DTC is you can control that relationship and you can invest money in digital marketing and you know what the, your ROAS is. Like you could look and say, if I spent 75, did it, did it generate $45 in revenue? Did it generate 90? What's the lifetime value? So you really analytically can uh, better control your business from an online perspective. And that's why there's way more players and brands in the online space because the barrier to entry is much lower. Yeah, no, for sure. I want to circle back to the idea of making it real quick. Is there an identified point of success that you have in mind when you feel like mission accomplished that you're shooting for? I think everyone has different targets, right? Getting a finished product is mission success, right? Mm -hmm. You had an idea you went through the process, you have your first piece of product, like that's a really rewarding moment. The first time you get your first shipment, you can hand it out to people like that was like, wow, we made it. And we spent so much time just giving away free product. And that was really rewarding. It felt like giving away your little jewels to people. And then when you get your first order, or you start getting success online. So I think there's multiple moments of graciousness where you feel like I'm in this business. Yeah. But is there something because you mentioned that, you know, you still feel like there's not, has not been that monumental change, right? Um, and EBIT, yeah. is there something in your mind that you're looking to hit as your, your target to see that that's the monumental, that's your moment? Well, I would say an exit. The exit, yeah. The, you know, in, you know, the, the entrance that, is as important the as the exit. <laughs> yeah, I would say an exit that we're all happy with. Yeah. Um, that would, that would be, that would be the winning moment for sure. But you know, everyone thinks like, Oh, I'm going to build this company and sell it three years. It, it rarely does it ever work that way. It's a grind. And then if you're successful, then you have more optionality. So I think our idea is just like get, get the business to a place where we're super successful, super cash flow positive, and we can kind of control all the decisions in our growth. Yeah. What advice would you give to young e-commerce companies or entrepreneurs um, that are just starting off? Um, create a great product because reviews are everything and it doesn't take uh, traditional media to, to drive reviews. You know, consumers control the marketplace these days and it's so easy for them to voice their opinion. Build a really strong community. Um be laser focused on that community and that relationship with that community and that audience and, and grow it um, as authentically as you can. Don't try and be in too many places at one time. Try, try and control the environments that you have influence over. And I think a lot of times people try and go too big too fast and then you lose control and then you lose control of your message and the relationship with that audience. So I'd rather nurture a smaller community and, and have that as your, your platform and your network that you can build and grow off of. So a solid foundation. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I think that's what some of these D2C brands are doing better than ever. I mean, they really are nailing it on the branding. They're nailing it on their ingredient profile. They're nailing, nailing it on the communication and how they communicate with their audience. So there's, there's amazing brands and companies that are just in the D2C that, you know, most people don't know about it. 
but they've built, you know, a huge um, engaged audience that are really committed to their brand and their ethos. Yeah. I, you know, I want to go back to actually, I had a question about the taste. So that's a big game changer. I feel like for e-boost out of, I've tasted, trust me, I've tasted a lot yeah. of energy, natural energy drinks, like a lot yep. to find e-boost. Yep. <laughs> so how did you ever feel like you had at a point to compromise on anything or compromise on natural or healthy ingredients or clean ingredients for the taste at any given point? Well, we always were compromising on taste, right? Like, because if we put sucralose in our product, which is the sugar alternative, it would just taste better yeah. because it would and it'd have zero sugar, but that's an artificial sweetener that has a lot of negative effects. And so I was, the one thing that we just would not compromise on is making the product natural and clean. And when I made the original product, my manufacturer like, Josh, no one cares. And the truth is 10 years ago, no, yeah. we'd be in a different place. If I use sucralose, this company would be 50 times more successful than it is because the cost would be cheaper. It would taste way better. And, and, and I don't mean taste better in the sense because sucralose is an artificial ingredient. It, it'll taste better to mainstream America. You have to remember, we live in a society where 60% of Americans are obese. True. Right? So they're not, they don't want to compromise on taste and they're willing to accept negative ingredients for the benefit of taste. So he was pushing me and pushing me to keep using sucralose. I said, no, it needs to be natural. And listen, stevia, we used stevia, which was at the time the best alternative. And now there's a lot more natural sugars that actually have a little bit sweeter natural taste, not kind of that barky taste. So we had to work hard to make our product taste good. And taste is an incredibly subjective thing. So I think on the beverage where we got really lucky is we created a partnership with Arizona Beverages. And these guys have been in the business for 25 years and they work with an amazing flavor house and they have all these incredible flavor systems. And Don, the owner of Arizona, said, I'm not doing this product with you unless it tastes good. And he is the king of taste. I mean, this guy has the world's greatest palate. So he was the final say on the taste. And we had to go through lots of samples and variations. And uh, he ultimately signed off on it which was amazing to think that we have the number of vitamins and nutrients and uh, we have, you know, of the 10 vitamins and minerals in our product, eight of them are hundred percent RDA, which is a lot, a lot of vitamins and minerals. So to actually make that product taste good and only have one or two grams of sugar from organic cane sugar is really amazing. Cause most of those natural energy drinks that you're drinking that still taste like crap yeah. have 18 to 30 grams of sugar. Oh, wow. And they still don't taste <laughs> good, which I don't understand. I know. That's the if you put part. 18 grams of sugar in anything, you can make battery acid <laughs> taste good. No, I completely agree. Um, which is – I think that's one of the best things about eBoost is that it's still natural, but it tastes yeah. like it's yeah. tastes good, you know, and it's refreshing. So <laughs> I'll say that. And then you feel the benefits too. You take it and you feel like a healthy lift of energy. You feel focused. And there's no crash. Yeah. So – when we win is when we get people to put, you know, the product in their mouth and then really feel the experience. Yeah. How has it been managing your company and having a life, still being able to do things and also, you know, take being there for your family? How have you been able to balance that? It's hard. You have to be organized, which I'm not the world's most organized person. So I could improve in that area. Not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur. There's there's a lot of pain points and there's a lot of struggle and you also get a lot of freedom, right? Because you kind of control your own destiny for better and for worse. So um, you have to be committed to 
that lifestyle and then figuring out how to juggle all those moving pieces and make time for everything. Have you ever felt like you've had to give up things to be where you're at from a personal side? Always. There's always sacrifices. Yeah, remember when you're the entrepreneur and you're the owner, like you're making the greatest amount of sacrifices. 100%. You know, when someone doesn't get paid, it's usually you. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> when, when, when there's no money and a bill has to be paid, you have to figure it out. So there's, it comes with amazing amount of responsibility and risk. How have those situations kind of shaped where you are right now? And then what happened? Listen, you make a lot of sacrifices. You give up a lot of opportunity costs. You give up. You're putting everything on the line, depending on how you know vested you are or not in your business. So you have to be in a position and be willing to take those risks. So, you know, look back, would I do it again? Probably not. <laughs> you know, it's been a long 10 years. So I, there's a lot of other things I could have been doing in between without, you know, as much risk that I've taken on this. So it's uh, and 10 years goes by quickly, you know. So you got to make sure that you're committed to what it is. And then you also have to know, you know, when to put on your foot on the gas or just make a decision and just say, you know, I gave it my best effort and let me move on to something else. So those are always the toughest decisions in any business. Yeah. What's next for Ibu? So I know that there were some new products that were released earlier um, last Mm -hmm. year. still feels like it's 2021, right? What, so what's, what's coming for this year in 2021 for eBoost? Well, because of our beverage, um, lots of exciting things are happening on the beverage front because of all these new points of distribution. And, you know, beverage can live in so many more places than a powdered product. So, and because we're partners with Arizona, we have an amazing partner that A, can help manufacture the product and help put it in stores uh, and in different markets and DSD. So we're really focused on, you know, expanding the beverage um, through the right partnerships and channels and then supporting it from a marketing standpoint. So it's a one-two punch. You got to get into distribution, like I said, is one thing, but getting it off the shelf is another. So we got to work really hard to get it off the shelf and get into people's hands. I agree. So how can we connect with you and how can anyone find the brand? I mean, always, obviously, eBoost.com. Our website's always the greatest place. Uh, Amazon's also a great partner. Uh, I'm at, uh, on Instagram, I'm at J M Takeman T A E K M A N is probably the best way to get me. I respond to people or on LinkedIn. Um, I'm always accessible. I always love hearing from people and can help, try and help where I can. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. I'm very, very excited to see eBoost grow even more and get to that next pivotal point. So, um, thank you so much for bringing eBoost to my life and hopefully others' lives too. So thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Just tell 10 of your closest friends to get it. I will. And I tell them every day. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course. Josh and his partner, John, have made bold moves, bold choices, rebranding, recognizing that being successful doesn't mean you're big yet moving past a decade of identity as a powdered product and making key hires. eBoost has had so many then what moments. So many moments of coming to yet another one yard line and saying, how bold are we willing to be in the face of whatever this moment is? Very few are celebrated for timid moves. Bold moves are what can move you, boost you to the next big level. I'm Lahari Neil Peretti. See you next time.
Then What is produced by Ellen Accounting Advisor in partnership with Malk Media Network. Copyright 2021. The views and opinions expressed are those of the individuals on this podcast and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Ellen Accounting Advisor or Malk Media Network. No portion of this program should be considered financial advice or consultation. Thank you for listening.